in places on the topic of love versus fear is Jim Carrey. And, um, and if you've watched his career, especially in the last couple of years, to Hollywood, he's kind of gone crazy, like he does these bizarre interviews. But he's kind of been going on a journey of trying to figure out, like, what does this all mean at the end of the day? And some of what he has to say is pretty intriguing. Um, and really, you can tell he's on a journey to faith, of understanding faith. And he actually talks about faith. He just refers to God as the universe. So we're, we're working with Jim on that, but he's getting there. And he talks a lot about there's two choices in life, love versus fear. And he, and he, and he begins to show, he, he talks about what that looks like in his life and career in Hollywood. So this is not just something that as believers, we read scriptures and it says, this is something that people who aren't even, don't have no theological training, don't know the word of God, aren't considered to be Christians or maybe even spiritual or religious are coming to the conclusion that there really is two things in this world that we have to choose from. Love versus fear. One or the other. And so I want to show you a little bit of what that looks like. First, I want to show you that there is, um, there's actually the most repeated commandment in Scripture is this. And depending on which translations you have, it'll either say, do not be afraid, or do not fear, or fear not. It's the number one command in the scriptures. It's used in its purest form, because there's a couple of different ways it's said, but in its purest form, it's used over 110 times in the scriptures. 110 times. As a matter of fact, I have a video on my phone. You can't see it, but that's okay. Maybe I can airplay it. Do you have the, uh, the Apple up real quick? Apple TV up? See if I can airplay it. See if it comes up. If not, that's all right. You can get the point. Oh, no, it's not. That's all right. That's right, don't worry about it. I have it on my phone. These are the, if you can see this from where you're sitting, I'll hand, hand it up. These are scrolling here. I'll start that over. You'll be able to see the little blue things. These are the scriptures that have do not fear in it. You see that? Can you see all those blue lines going? Every blue line is a scripture. 110 different scriptures in the Bible that say, do not fear. Now, here's my question. Is, um, is, did, did God do that for a reason? Is there intention behind what God is trying to communicate to us? And the second question is, if there is intention behind it, why does he have to say it so many times? Somebody's GPS, that's all right. You're here. Tell the GPS you're here. It, the, the, go with me for a moment here, the overarching thing that we can conclude is that God knew that one of the major struggles of mankind would be fear. And over and over and over again, he's saying to his people, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Over and over and over again, to the point where, if we were purely taking the theme, if you will, the major theme from beginning to end, just purely based on what's repeated the most, 
it would be do not fear. This isn't like a side message. This is like a major principle and core of Christianity. It's not fearing. And I, I begin to think about how fear affects our lives before I get into the scriptures. In addition to all of the health things, fear in our lives oftentimes becomes a turning point or a pivot point for failure and missed opportunities. In other words, we can look back where there are failures or missed opportunities or, or things that we, we, we should have done or not done and that we really messed up. And we could probably, if we trace it back like a line in our lives, we'll find a point where we had a choice and we pivoted because we were, we were being engaged with fear. And so we missed opportunities because we were afraid. And we had these failures along the way because we were afraid to face whatever it was. And fear has become the, the primary core emotion that has created more damage in your life and mine than anything else. Fear will kill you. It will cripple you. It will paralyze you. It will take everything from you. Glad somebody agrees. It's fear. So God in his infinite wisdom said, hey, these guys need to be reminded a lot as they read my word. And it's not like just like grouped up in one chapter. It's like, you know, book after book where you see this come up from beginning to end, this idea of do not fear. Let's look at one of those in 1 John 4.18 together. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. You know, there's another scripture that this always reminds me of every time I read it. Um, it says that the law has no power to perfect. It says that the law has no power to perfect. It also says... That fear is not perfected in love. And sorry, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. There's this connection between fear and the law. Because the law, the consequence of the law is punishment. And many of us have lived our lives in fear of being punished. Because we know that we have not been able to reach the standard of the law or whatever's been put on our lives. And fear is ultimately the driving emotion and force that's, that's causing us to make decisions in our life that create the, the, the nest, if you will, of, of chaos and shame and regret and all the stuff that so many of us have dealt with or are dealing with. It's fear. That's the culprit. When you boil it all down, every single one of us, in one time or another life, were afraid and we chose fear over love. And the way we reacted with somebody, the way we interacted with a loved one, the way we dealt with a boss, the way we were at school, 
the way we handled law enforcement, the way we whatever. We did something and it was a pivot point in our life and it was because we were afraid. And yet God, 110 times in the Bible says, do not fear. And this is the question I want you to come to tonight. Well, if he says, do not fear so many times, and fear is such a debilitating force in my life, then what is the solution? Well, we find it in the scripture. It's love. And I want to show you, if you'll let me, what that looks like. In Jude 1, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, it's funny because uh, what we've been talking about for a while now, the finished work of the cross and all that comes with it, and, and it's funny because any message I preach, it has to come back to the cross. And any message that comes back to the cross is going to come back to the message that I've been talking about for a while now. Because it's the center of our faith. Do we all agree with that? Yes. If something is not taught and doesn't come back to that point, it's probably off. It all comes back to that. And so as we're looking at this, we see, and, and so as I've been teaching this, a lot of people, um, I, I mentioned this, if you were in the first service on Sunday, you got this. If you're in the second service, I sped things up. I, I, I preached my message on Sunday in the second service in 17 minutes. Angels from heaven came down. They crowned me the quickest speaker in town. It was amazing. You missed it. But in the second service, I didn't get a chance to say this, but in, in, in the first service I did, I say anytime anybody starts their sentence with me, which I've had some people do that, well, at some point, you need to make sure they know this. Well, at some point, what they're saying is, at some point, what I talked about on Sunday, is the grace they've received in order to be saved is not going to be the same, and you need to shift their priorities to their responsibilities in the equation. And what that says is a couple of things. It, I, I'm okay with preaching that we have responsibilities, because I believe that we do. But what the church has put on us for what our part in the equation is, has been things that have already been done by Jesus. That's right. And that refers back to my sermon two weeks ago where I talked about we're starting from the finish line. That's where we start from. So I believe that we have personal responsibility. That's not the subject of debate. The subject of debate is what is our responsibility? So I'm not letting believers off the hook saying you have no responsibility. You just, Jesus does it all and you just sit there twiddling your thumbs. That's not true. Do you all hear me? Yeah. Pastor Dan does not believe that. What I believe is, is that we do have a responsibility, but where I differ, and my dad and mom, and where we differ from a, where a lot of people are, is what our responsibilities are. And what part of the equation do we have? What's ours? Because I, I want to know that. I want to know, God, what do you want me to do? I want you and my in my life to be everything. I want to follow your purpose. I want, I want all that Pastor Dan's been talking about. I want, I want all that. But what's my part? And it's, this is one of those parts. In Jude, verse 21, there's only one chapter, it says, keep yourselves in love. Keep yourselves in love. Keep yourselves in the love of God. 
Keep your mind engaged with the love of God. Keep yourself responding to his love in your life. Keep in that place of intimacy with God, in love with him. Stay in that place. Yeah, but what about this and what about that? Well, if you read on, just three verses later, in verse 24, it says, Now to him, capital H, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. It is his ability, his work in your life that will keep you from stumbling. And it is him who makes you blameless and brings joy. Not me and not you. That's where I go. I'm listening to people and I'm like, hold on a second. Y'all are missing it. That's where I go, wait a second. It's this part here. Because a lot of modern theology teaches that you're responsible for not stumbling. And when you do, it's... God is ticked. That's a nice way to put it, right? And it's your job to approach the throne blameless and holy. But the reality is, that's not our number one priority. And it's not really even something that we should be focusing our time and emotions on. What we should focus on is falling in love with Him. And experiencing His love and responding to that love with our life. It's very clear the scripture says you keep yourself in love you keep yourself in that place of love not fear love and fear as we just read cannot coexist your job is to embrace his love and to not allow fear to enter your life do you hear me text all your neighbors and tell them pastor dan gave us a list of things we have to do all you folks saying he ain't telling us what we're supposed to do here it is Keep yourself in love with him. You got me? Stay connected with him. Because he is the one who is able to keep you from stumbling. It's in him you'll find that place in your life where you're not repeating the same patterns. It's in him where joy flows. It's in him where you will find yourself blameless before the throne. It's in him that blessing and favor and glory comes. It's in him that you find those things. Unless you're in him, your responsibility is not to figure out how to get all that. He takes care of that in your life. It is a part of the working of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's your job to fall in love and to stay in love, to embrace what he's done for you and to, ne- and to keep fear a distant thing from your life. I want to read some more here. Pastor Jane, you're preaching so good. Thank you, sister. We appreciate that. All right. That was a sister. And it was like this. Pastor Dan, you're just preaching so good. That's a southern sister. Here's a sister, sister. Pastor Dan, you preaching good. All right? And this is one of them pumpkin spice latte drinking sisters. Um, like Pastor Dan, you're preaching like, that like really touched my heart. Okay? I got to just admit it. All right? Any more you want me to do? I'm not keeping myself in love with those stereotypes. All right. 
All the way back in Isaiah 54, 14, it says this to us. It says, in righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. And from terror, for it will not come near you. Some people believe that it is, it is if we learn to keep ourselves from oppression that we will not fear. It's the exact opposite. If you learn to love and not fear, oppression will stay away from you. Let me say that again. Sometimes we believe that if we learn to stay away from oppression in our lives, that we will then have nothing to be afraid of. But I got news for you. No matter where you turn, our minds will find something or somebody to be afraid of. That's why it's the number one commandment in the Bible. All right? It's going to happen. Fear is inevitable. It's going to come knocking at your door. It's what you do when it comes knocking. When you decide to cast that fear to the side and to fall in love with Jesus and to place your cares and your fears in his arms, that is the moment where you decide, I will not live my life in fear. And I will not operate and respond to people or situations out of fear. I will respond from that place of love. And it is that that will keep oppression from you. If you're oppressed, stop trying to fight the oppression. If you're depressed, stop trying to fight the depression. You're not going to win. What's the prescription for you? The prescription is fall in love with him. And pursue that in your life. And stop being motivated and making decisions from a place of fear. That's what will allow oppression or depression or whatever, the blues, to get, to get away from you. It's, it's abiding in him and in his love. I, I love this one. Um, uh, I, I have this picture of, of, um, of a duck and water running off the duck's back. And that's the way fear is supposed to be with us. It doesn't mean that the water didn't come. It didn't mean, doesn't mean that the water didn't fall. But it just rolls off our back. And, 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 and I, I, I wrote this, I think it's up here. Um, if we learn to be locked into, oh, what in the world is that? There it is. That's just an extra scripture. It has to do with heart and eyes. Okay. Um, we, if we learn to become locked in to his love and his goodness in our life, then all the things that we're fearful about will seem really insignificant. You lock eyes with him and his love and his goodness over your life, and you'll realize you have nothing to fear. I, who, I need some really big guys. Where are some big guys at? You... Come up here. You're going to help me. Giant, you. Wes, you're a big guy. Come here. Are you Jeff? What's your name? Ed? I don't care. You're short, but you're big. Anyone else? Andrew? Come on over here, Andrew. Anyone else that's really big? Jeff. Jeff Carper? Where's Jeff at? Oh, come on. Come on, Jeff. Come up here, Jeff. You're a big dude. All right. You're, you're a new addition to the softball team, right? Yeah. 
All right. Jesus, anoint these hands and these arms. Thank you. All right, so check this out. Now, you, how mean can you guys look? You guys can look mean? All right. Y'all come up behind me like you're, like you're my boys, okay? Now, if I walk into a seedy place, spouting my mouth off, how much confidence do you think I'm going to have with this crew behind me? All right? And y'all just, like, sit on the ground or something for a moment, all right? Chill out. Now, if you see this coming into the place... With my finely manicured eyebrows. Hey there, sweetheart. Don't you be nasty to me. See... When, when you're in that place with him, y'all stand up again. And this is love and goodness right here, his love and goodness. You have nothing to be afraid of. This is love over here. That's good and that's Ness, all right? Because <laughs> right, I ain't going to make you Ness, you know what I mean, for obvious reasons. Right? You're going to be like... You go through life with a different attitude. You go through life because you realize that my place of where I abide, the place where I live and spend my time is in the understanding and the consciousness of the love and goodness of God. And so from that place, I live my life. And so when fear comes, it doesn't mean that it doesn't come. It doesn't mean that we ignore it. It doesn't mean that we're just like, oh, I'm ne fear never comes knocking at my door. No, it comes. But when it comes, I go, hey, uh, fear, you know, you can't... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, you can't coexist with love and goodness. And I'm hanging out with the love and goodness of God. So if you're going to want to, like, dominate my time, you're going to have to deal with love and goodness over here because you guys don't like each other. And ye imperfect love over here takes care of fear, casts out all fear, all of them. So you get you and your boys together and get out of here because you're going to have to take care of love, and they're undefeated, by the way. You ever heard that love wins every time? They're undefeated. So you're going to have to deal with love, because you all can't be in the same place at the same time. That is why staying locked with the love and goodness of God will keep fear out of your life. Will you give uh, love and goodness over here a hand? All right. What's your name, man? I'm sorry. Eddie? Yeah. All right, thanks, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Does that make sense? So this is one of my favorite scriptures. We're going to end with this. In Philippians. Oh, that's good, too. <laughs> the only time we end up allowing fear to come in our life is when I lose those guys. When I say, guys, uh, I got to use the restroom, and I know we're in hostile territory, but I'm not cool with you coming into the restroom with me. So can you stay at the table? Yeah, whatever, bro. Go ahead. And then I get in there, and these guys come in there like, hey, are you Dan? <laughs> I'm like, no. I think I'm in the wrong bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, what's your name? I'm Fear. Where's love and goodness? Boys, where are you? 
right? Could you just hold on a second? When I lose track of his love in my life, the fear can corner me. I give fear an opportunity. I give fear an opening in my life. Because they can't coexist together. And so when love, and I'm not in that place, keeping myself in that place of love with God, and continually allowing his love and goodness to wash over me, and the renewal of that in my mind, and my life living in response and love to him. I heard Bill Johnson say recently that he was talking about how um, the more and more we experience the capacity of his love, it expands our own capacity to love him back. Amen. And it doesn't mean that that's a requirement. It's not, it's not a law-based idea. But as our heart expands with the knowledge of his love for us, our heart expands with the capacity to love him back. And in that exchange, there is no room for fear. Fear ain't messing with that. Does that make sense? Check this scripture out if we can. Philippians 1.28, it says, Do not be frightened by your adversaries. Adversaries is a fancy word for enemies, okay? Do not be frightened by your adversaries. Do not fear. Do not be afraid of your enemies, some versions say. For this is a sign to them of their destruction. Do you all understand what's being said here? Yeah. Let me break this down to you. Real simple. When you're not afraid, even when you should be, the enemy, then, this is what happens. So the enemy comes and they want to scare you because the enemy always wants to bring fear into your life. And when he shows up in various forms, and you all know what it looks like when things happen in your life and you're like, what in the heck's going on? And you know that the human response is, you know, that fight or flight, fear. And in that moment where you have the decision to make a pivot towards love or fear, whether it's a relationship, whether it's just a life happenstance, a career, a job, whatever it is, you have that choice. Am I going to go love or fear? Am I going to love or fear? And something happens in your life and you choose love. You know what the enemy does? Oh, we're doomed. That's what it says. It says, it is a sign to them of their destruction when you don't fear. So the minute you make a decision to choose love over fear, every single time, it reminds the enemy that their ultimate place is destruction. Think about all the time we spend fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy. There's entire movements devoted to fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy. Let's just, I mean, groan and moan for hours, fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy. And we cast this out and we, you know, kick this guy and we do this and we beat the devil down and we do this. And it's like, oh, fight, 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 fight. And the whole time, all we need to do is step into the love and goodness of God because he's already defeated him. And this is what it is. It, the more time and attention we give the enemy with this fight, like, yeah, yeah, you know, this whole thing, the more he thinks to himself, wait a second. Hey, look at all the time they're spending on me. Maybe I'm not defeated. Maybe I, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that whole thing with Jesus was, maybe that wasn't the final nail in my coffin. Hold on a second. Right? I mean, look at him. Look how much time they're spending. Fighting me. I've got them. I've got their attention. 
fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're fighting, we're warring and we're doing all the stuff we do. Just change that for a moment. Flip that on its head. The enemy's like, let's see if I can get him, get him, you know, get him riled up. He comes at you and you go, mm-mm, God, I love you. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your promises. Your goodness for me is, 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 is I don't deserve it, but I receive it. And, I, and, I, and I, I walk in that in my life and the enemy has no place. And oh, you do that? And he's like, hey, over here, I'm going to cause a lot of racket. I'm going to get your attention eventually. Well, you think that didn't work? Watch this. Boom, something else terrible happens. And you're like, God, I just love you. I stay in that place of affection for me, uh, with you. You've done so much in my life. He's like, what in the heck's going on here? And they start talking to one another and having this conversation. And all of a sudden they're like, man, this guy, this guy knows, he knows what's up. He knows we don't have any power. And he knows we've been defeated. That's why he's not paying. How come he's not scared? I, I, I'm not saying that there hasn't been times where we've had to deal with something that was demonic or oppressive or whatever. But I just don't believe in giving it the time of day. Because fear, which is the primary emotion that the enemy uses to destroy our lives, cannot be in the same room, building, city, whatever, with love. So I pivot that way. And he goes, oh, crap. It's another sign that we are done. Look at him. He's not even looking in our direction. He's not panicking at all. He doesn't even look like he's sweating. Roar a little bit louder. He's walking further away from us. Why does he keep singing those songs? He looks stupid. <laughs> the minute we remind the enemy that he is toothless and has no power, and maybe the enemy in your life is represented with just negativity or whatever it is, but I really believe that there's an enemy, there's a spirit of darkness that, is, that comes against us and wants to destroy our lives. That may seem too fairy tale to you, but I really believe that. And the way that we shut him down is by not fearing. Because when we make a decision to love and not fear, fear can't hang around. And at the end of the day, I'm gonna end with this. You only have two choices in life. You only have two choices love and fear and I'll leave you with this quote not from the Bible and not from anybody you'd ever assume Jim Carrey ended recently a, a something he said at a university with this he said choose to love and don't let fear turn you against your playful heart Some of us need to give that childlike, playful heart of ours a little love and kick fear out. 
just like I kicked that person out. Just like, just get out of here. I, whoever that was is fear, and we're not going to let them. I'm just kidding. Hey, if you're going to leave church, just, could you shut the door a little lighter, all right? For heaven's sakes. It's not like I'm preaching condemnation here, people. I'm preaching you should love and not fear. And people are like, that pisses me off. <laughs> Slam. Sorry. I didn't mean that. Okay. God bless me. Forgive me. <laughs> Thankful the kids are gone. All right. Um, let's, let's pray. Can we do that together? Let's receive this. Father, we receive this uh, tonight. Um, you said that there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. One who fears is, is not perfected in love. So many of us have gone down that road and we've seen, we've seen that movie. We've seen how that ends. So Lord, tonight we, we recalibrate our hearts, our minds to make a decision for love. Let us, Lord, not think that this is responsibility-free, but Lord, let us understand what our responsibilities are. That is to stay in that place of love with you. Stay making a decision every day to love and not fear. To love and not fear. To love and not fear. And when faced in life with that choice, that will happen every day of our life, let us choose love. Let us make a decision for love. So that we can remind our adversary, our enemy, that it's just another sign that he is destroyed and defeated and has no power and dominion. Thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Hey, nobody go tweeting that last remark from me, okay? Love you guys. We'll see you Sunday.